All right, I've been tasked to do something that many of you think is impossible. I have got 20 minutes, now 16 minutes and 19 seconds to deliver our core values and celebrate our wins. I won't be jumping into a passage, but if you're new, come back next week and we're gonna jump in. We've been in the middle of the book of Acts and it has been incredible. But today, I want you to know our vision statement. We here at New Heights Church, we exist and we help lead, we, we exist because we lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That is our purpose. That's why we're here. And we do that through next steps. First step is to know God and then to find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And that's what we've been doing. And that's, that's we have these, these um, core values that keep us on track to make sure we're doing these next steps. And I want to say, when I came, I've been here three years now. My wife and I are so excited to be a part of uh, this incredible community, this incredible church with incredible history and past. And, and I, I wanna say when I came on, it was 57 years of an incredible legacy. Incredible legacy. This church has done incredible things. And I remember coming here, I heard Pastor Skip Heidzik address his church. And if you don't know who that is, he's a Calvary Chapel pastor out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Pastors, one of the largest churches in America. And and he, for the most part, he was the founding pastor, and he's still there today. There was a season where somebody was there for a short, brief time. But he got up and he, he said this, we love the past, but we live the future. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. I mean, this is the guy who started the church. This is the founding pastor. We love the past, but we, but we live the future. And, and that's really what we are here at New Heights Church. We, we celebrate what God has done to prepare for what God is doing. And when we look back at the past with an eye for the future, we in many ways were similar to the children of Israel who stood before Moses on the plains of Moab and before they entered the land, Moses was telling them about the past and the future. And one of the things he said to them is, your eyes have seen all that the Lord has done. So many eyes here in this sanctuary, this auditorium today, you have seen what the Lord has done through this church and yet with all of that incredible stuff, with that incredible rich history, this church, all that this church has seen and done, there is still new land that lays ahead and I'm excited to find out what God wants as we enter into this new season as New Heights Church, amen? It's always good to look, look back and remember our roots, but you can't run a race if you're trying to look back while you're wanting to move ahead because that is just miserable. You need to be rooted. You need to remember your past. Remember what God has done. But then think what does God want to do in the future? Always with Jesus as the anchor and his word giving us the keys. And that's been the season that we've been in for the last three years. We have four core values that guide us in this journey. And I want to tell you today, we're, number one, you know this if you've been here for very long, we're committed to doctrine. We're committed to receiving and spreading good teaching. We want people to understand the depth of Scripture. Do you know, Christians claim to believe the Bible. They, they claim to believe the Bible is God's word. They, they claim it's God's divinely inspired, inerrant message to us. Yet, many times Christians don't read it. Listen to some of these statistics from LifeWay Research Center. 45% of those who regularly attend church read the Bible not more than once a week. 
over 40% of people attending church read their Bible occasionally. And if you're wondering what occasionally is, it's maybe once or twice a month. And then one in five churchgoers say they never read their Bible. It's a research of the American church today. So we here at New Heights Church, we're committed to God's word. We're committed to doctrine. Do you know the word doctrine literally means teaching or better yet, wholesome teaching or good teaching? New Heights Church is what I would call a textual community. So we're a community, we're brothers, we're sisters who do life together, but we do it around a text. We take our cues from a book. We have a script that God has given in, in his word, the Bible. And that's why we, we make teaching the Bible such a high priority. We believe in expository preaching at New Heights Church. That means we teach God's word book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse. And here's why we do this. Because I think if you asked any pastor, if you asked any pastor or any leader of, of the church, who's in charge of your church? Hopefully, most pastors would say Jesus. Jesus is in charge. How does Jesus exercise his authority in this church would be my next question. What are the means in which Jesus is allowed to exercise his authority in the church? And really, there can only be one answer. He has the authority because he speaks to his church and he speaks through his word. So if the pastor's not preaching the Bible, he's just making stuff up. <laughs> he's just preaching something he's, maybe he's passionate about. This is why we're dedicated to doctrine. We want people to find out what God says. When we look at a text, before we can even ask, what does this verse mean to me, we've got to ask, what does this text mean to begin with? And what did it mean to the original audience? What did the original author intended for the original recipients to understand? And once we get that, we find out what it means to us, because what it means to us is what it meant to begin with. Amen? That's why we believe in, in giving people the whole gospel, all of the Bible, all the principles, and we can never exhaust that. You go through all the Bible, you can't avoid the hard topics. We don't, we don't avoid the hard topics here at New Heights Church. We preach God's word. Week by week, we're committed to teaching his word, going through all the Bible. And this is how lives are changed, by unpacking God's word so we can truly understand, understand it so our lives can be transformed by it. We've got a saying here at New Heights. If you want to hear a word from God, then you need to open the word of God. <laughs> The word of God does the work of God, right? Amen? Some of us are excited. <laughs> so that's our core value. Second core value, we stop at nothing, at nothing to reach all people. I love this quote by Francis Chan. He says, long gone are the days when we should be content with a bunch of people who sing out loud, don't divorce, and give to missions. I now want to know I can drop off any member of my church in a city and that person can grow in Jesus, make disciples, and help start a church. We want to know that if your job sends you to, I don't know, let's say India, your job sends you to India and there are no churches, you'd be capable of starting one and making disciples there. Even if you didn't go as a church planner or as a pastor, you went to teach English or your business takes you there, you would be able to start a church, disciple people. You think about the parable of the lost sheep. Jesus said there would be more rejoicing over one sinner who repented than of the 99 who are already in the fold. 
Why? Because he prioritized those outside of the fold in his ministry. We prioritize them in ours, constantly asking, what can we do to bring the gospel to more people? This does not mean that we preach uh, watered-down gospel messages, but we think about the lost people. What can we do to bring in lost people? It means we don't focus on our cultural preferences or our personal preferences. We do think about people walking in that door. But when it comes to the Bible, we preach God's word because that's what they need to hear more than anything. They don't need to be patted on the back. We don't need to love people all the way to hell. We gotta rescue them, right? I love Luke 15. I love the parable we just talked about. It talks about three stories. Obviously, we just talked about the parable with the shepherd and the lost sheep. But the shepherd doesn't say, well, I've got 99 more. (laughs) 1% attrition rate, that's not bad, right? No, he's so distraught over the one loss that he, that he stows the 99 in a safe place, goes out all night searching for the one. That's how God feels about you. He doesn't look at the size of the Sunday crowd and say, that's a lot of people. No, he cares for the lost people out there too. He wants lost people to come to Jesus. The second story there in Luke, it's about a woman who loses a valuable coin. This time it's just one, one out of ten, but we're to assume that means it represents a tenth of her life savings. And she spends this entire day tearing up her house looking for it. You wouldn't do that for a penny. You'd only do that for something valuable. Lost people are valuable to God. And then in the third parable, the, the value of the lost, uh, lost object increases once again. This time it's of a lost son. The son rejects his father, shames him, runs away with his inheritance to a faraway country. The striking thing is that the father, rather than disowning his son or harboring anger towards him, stands at the door every day looking out towards the far country, longing for his his son to come home. And when he does, the father can't contain himself. He casts aside all dignity and runs to embrace him. He just can't be happy without his son. He, He just can't be happy without you. The point is, lost people matter to God. So doing whatever it takes to reach all people means that each of you takes responsibility for reaching people. This command called the Great Commission, it's not, it's not a special gifting for some, it's a mandate for all. You say, but I, I don't even know how to do that, Pastor Justin. Well, first, then learn. Learn to do it. And we're going to provide several opportunities for you at our church, by the way. Uh, they're going to be in small groups. Join a small group, people. Join a small group. If you go to our church and this is your home church, you need to be plugged into a small group. But think about it. How hard it is to share your faith. I mean, if you were, if you were trapped in a burning building and you're about to pass out from all the smoke and just when you thought all hope was gone, just when you thought you were going to die, a fireman breaks through, wouldn't you be pointing all the people to the fireman? I mean, how, how hard is it to point, right? And for a while, you're still learning Bible verses, the right questions to ask. You can still point people to Jesus, invite them to join you on the weekend for a service, or how about this, you just tell them your story. I told you, it was such a powerful service to be at that Teen Challenge event. I, even just at lunch, I was hearing powerful testimonies. Your testimony is powerful. This is something our small groups are going to be helping you with, though. They're going to help you, give you some resources and tools if you don't know how to share your faith. All right, so third, we make disciples, not just converts. The final command Jesus gave his disciples was to make disciples, teaching them to observe all that he had commanded. And we realize that heaven, here at New Heights Church, we realize that heaven does not count professions of faith. 
I absolutely hate filling out this report that I have to do every year for the General Council Assemblies of God. They want to know how many professions of faith. I hate that. And for three years, I've refused to do it. And I always get a phone call every year. I said, wrong question to ask. Because heaven doesn't count professions of faith. Heaven counts disciples of Jesus. So we are committed to developing and making disciples of all those that God has entrusted to us. And a lot of people would say, man, I'm a Christian because I believe in God and I'm not a Buddhist or I'm not a Muslim. But here's the real question. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? To live like Jesus. There's no such thing biblically as a Christian who is not a devoted disciple. So we ask the question here at New Heights Church, are you a disciple of Jesus? And you can understand why the question is not, are you a Christian? But are you a disciple? Because right now, many would probably say, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. But maybe not really a, a full disciple yet. And Jesus talks about a large group of people who on the last day say to him, Lord, Lord, didn't we do lots of stuff in the church and ministry? Didn't we know lots of verses? We had the Bible memorized. And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. You know who, who I, you knew who I was, and, and I hung out at your house, and I hung out at your house on the weekends, and, I, and, and yet you never knew me. He's talking about Christians here. He's talking about Christians who aren't disciples. So are you a disciple? If not, you don't belong to Jesus. But the good news is that you can become one through a simple act of surrender. Jesus doesn't say, prove yourself to me and I'm gonna let you be my disciple. He simply says this, receive me, turn your life over to me, and I'm gonna make you my disciple. This is why we're committed to making disciples and not just converts. And the fourth and last one as we finish up, we commission every member here at New Heights Church. Calling is not a special experience for a sacred few. It's a basic element of the Christian life. When, when believers accept Jesus, they accept his call to join him in his mission. The question then is not if our people are sent on mission, but only where and how. See, there's this myth that a lot of people in the church believe, and that's that a calling is a special mystical moment that only a select few even experience. I remember growing up, staring, uh, when I would, I, I heard a story, and I've heard many preachers use it. They, they call it the Cheerio effect, you know, because you'll hear different stories about somebody sitting and eating Cheerios, and then all of a sudden the Cheerios form this word, and they look at it, and the Cheerios have spelled out Africa, and they just know they're supposed to go to Africa. Well, maybe. I mean, God can speak however he wants, so if somebody told me that that's how God spoke to him, I... I wouldn't deny the fact that God can speak in several ways, but I never had a mystical moment like that. Never did. And and I'm not saying that God doesn't do it. I'm just saying if you're waiting for that, you're sitting on the sideline when you should be out in the game. God has called every single one of you into his ministry. And here's the truth. The call to leverage your life For the Great Commission was included in the call to follow Jesus. So when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to the the Great Commission. Matthew 4, 19 says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. When you accepted Jesus, you accepted the call to mission. The question is now no longer if you're called, it's only where and how. 
You are sent. This is something I want every single person who calls New Heights Church to understand. You are sent. It's got to be in our language. It's got to be in every single sermon. It's got to be in every single small group. You are sent. You are sent. And here's the kicker. We're not just talking just to church planners or international missionaries. We're saying that you, every single member, every single person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ is sent. Listen, the more I've studied the book of Acts, the more I've come to the conviction that Jesus' plan for reaching the world, it's not gathering this huge group of people or this huge group of fans around some really gifted, charismatic preacher. It's not. It's raising up ordinary people in the power of the Spirit and sending them out. That's the plan. And you know what gives these ordinary people such extraordinary confidence and effectiveness? It's this, the knowledge of the power of the Spirit within them. I don't think the worship team believed me that I'm closing. I'm telling you guys, I really am going to get it in 20. (laughs) All believers have the Spirit of Jesus, of course. But what gives believers confidence is the knowledge of the Spirit within them. Jesus made such a crazy promise about the power and the potential of the Holy Spirit in believers. In fact, it's so crazy that if you don't watch yourself, you won't take it seriously. In John 16, 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. How crazy must it have seemed to those first disciples? Jesus saying, I'm going to... I'm going to leave you, but it's better. How awesome would it have been to walk with Jesus and experience that and then have Jesus say, when I leave, it's going to be better. Because he's telling you that if you understood who the Holy Spirit was and what his potential was, then you'd be more excited to have him than even if Jesus had left. Are you as excited for the Holy Spirit as Jesus was telling the disciples to be? Because God's plan to reach the world is ordinary people filled with the Holy Spirit walking in obedience. They're going to collectively have a greater impact than if Jesus had stayed himself. Stop thinking about how incapable or unqualified you are. Don't you understand that because the Holy Spirit is in you, it's more about your availability than your ability. And that's what, why this is one of our core values. The Holy Spirit can do more through one surrendered vessel than the most talented, the most qualified, the most wealthiest person in all the world could accomplish on their own. God will use anyone. He's going to use wealth, especially if somebody surrenders it to God. He's going to use talent. He's going to use all that. But he can only use that if it's surrendered to him. God can take one person who doesn't have the qualifications, who's not, uh, not even educated, not, doesn't even know how to prepare a sermon, doesn't know how to do this or that, might not have the experience, but they're surrendered and God can use them. That one surrendered vessel, God can use that one surrendered vessel more than all the riches and all the talent in the world if they're not surrendered to God. You understand that? Man, I'm telling you, he has called us as a church, new heights, called us right now to embrace a new season. We love our past. We celebrate our past. And I hope one day in 25 years, I'm going to, well, hopefully I won't be dead in 25 years. <laughs> but I'll probably have to hand the baton on to somebody else in the next 20 to 25 years. And I hope that in 100 years, long after I'm gone, this church is still existing, still making a difference and impacting the world for Jesus Christ. I will preach my heart out every single Sunday, but when I die, I'll probably be forgotten. But you know what? 
if we don't make it about me and we don't make it about really talented, qualified leaders and we really truly get it and understand that when the Holy Spirit wants to take us and use us, it's about the whole church collectively. He's gonna move so strong. The Holy Spirit's gonna move amongst his people and empower his people and we are gonna go out and change the world. You're gonna start seeing people convert in, uh, in Olive Garden or at concerts or at Starbucks, Jesus is just going to be moving and the Holy Spirit's going to be flowing through you. And that's what's been happening over the last three years. I've told you, I don't care about just building numbers. I want to see life transformation. And today we're doing a water baptism because people have surrendered their life to Jesus and they want to make a public declaration today that they are following him. That gets me excited. So worship team, I'm giving it back to you. Let's celebrate all that God has done this last year because he is good and he deserves it.